the number one emotional disorder in America used to be depression. Do you know what the number one emotional problem today is? It is anxiety. Some time ago I read that anxiety has replaced depression as the number one emotional difficulty in America today. There was a a very well-known syndicated advice columnist who used to get 10,000 letters a month. That's a lot of mail. And she said the number one problem of her readers was fear. Fear. Now, that's very concerning because if we cannot conquer our fears, we expose ourselves to two risks. One is unresolved fear can expose us to psychosomatic illnesses. That is illness that starts in the head, isn't it? One study said 90% of chronic patients who go from doctor to doctor have one thing in common, fear was their first symptom. And then, uh, and by the way, we all know this morning, we can worry ourselves sick, can't we? we? We all know that. And then the other risk is unresolved fear can keep us from being productive, successful, and growing in life. Think about all the things that we should do, but we don't because we're afraid. Think about the things we shouldn't do, but we do because we are afraid. Now today in our message, I want us to learn that Christians have a secret weapon against fear. I want to bring a message this morning entitled, Faith to Overcome Fear. Faith to Overcome Fear. Now after the victorious battle that Abram had in Genesis chapter 14 over the eastern kings, you would think he'd never be afraid again. I mean, you'd think he would say to himself, I'm now a superhero. I can leap tall buildings in one single bound. And nothing will ever bother me again. But fear doesn't work that way. And what I've discovered, and probably you've discovered this as well, is fear returns to our lives in other forms, and it has to be faced over and over again. And as we open up Genesis 15, Abraham is afraid, just like you and me. But God helped him to conquer his fears. Now, this is here not only to teach us about what Abraham went through, but what is common to all of us. It's designed to show us our fears so that we can understand them, but then even more, to give us hope that we can conquer our fears. Now as we look at Genesis 15, 1 to 6 this morning, we're going to discover that we have a secret weapon against fear, but there are three actions we have to take if God is going to help us conquer our fears. So let's look at these three actions this morning, all right? Number one, look at your fears. Look at your fears. Let me read for us verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 15, and I encourage you to follow along. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, 
I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He was only a servant in Abraham's extended household. Now it's interesting as we look here at what is said by Abram and the Lord's response to him, we discover that he had three basic fears. And it's interesting, these fears form the categories that most of our fears fall into. So let's look at them for just a moment, all right? Number one, we worry about our well-being. We worry about our well-being. When verse 1 opens with after these things, it is talking about the battle in chapter 14 where Abraham led this coalition that defeated the four mighty eastern kings. And here's what happened. Abraham went from a small-time clansman to the victorious warrior in all of Canaan. He is now well known and he's also feared, but he is also the one who will be attacked in any attempts at revenge. By the way, do you know what Eastern kings did when they were defeated? They uh, licked their wounds, they regrouped, and they rode back again. And Abram says to himself, I whipped them the first time by a surprise attack at night. They will not be so easily caught off guard the second time. And Abraham is now afraid for his safety. If I were to ask us today, how many of us are concerned for our safety? I think a lot of hands would go up. If I were to ask how many are concerned for our health, I think there would be more hands that go up. You know, a survey was done sometime of Americans' top 12 fears. Number six on that list is disease, and number seven is death. We worry about our well-being. Notice the second fear that we have. We worry about needing wealth. We worry about needing wealth. When the Lord said to Abram, uh, Abram, your reward will be very great, it is possible that Abraham had second thoughts about the king of Sodom and all the wealth that Abraham had given up. You may remember how the king of Sodom said, look, I'll let you have all the loot. You just give me the people that left my town when they were taken captive. And remember what Abraham said in chapter 14, I'm not going to take anything from you so that you'll never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. You know what? Sometimes after a hard decision for the Lord, we wonder, did I do the right thing? And Abraham now is possibly regretting that he gave up so much gold, so much silver, so many flocks and herds. Do you know on that survey of the top 12 worries of Americans, number four is financial problems. I have no doubt that in our services today, there are some of us who are worried about having enough money. I have no doubt about that. And then I want you to look at the third worry. 
we worry about being weak. We worry about being weak. When Abraham says in verse 2, Lord, I continue childless. What are you going to give me that will last because a servant in my home is ultimately going to inherit everything that you might give me? We need to remember it's been 10 years since God promised Abraham the land, descendants, and that he would be a worldwide blessing. Brothers and sisters, is 10 years a long time? It is. And the key to all of it is a son. Abraham is now 85. Sarah is 75. We know it is impossible for them to conceive. And here's what Abraham is saying. If I don't have a son, I'm going to have to adopt my servant. He is going to inherit everything that I own. And you know what Abraham is saying? I'm too weak to accomplish the promises of God. That's what he's saying. The advice columnist that I referred to earlier said this, people are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. And oftentimes, one of our biggest fears is that I won't be adequate. I won't be up for what life demands of me. Life will overwhelm me. We are afraid of being weak. Now I want you to just for a moment with me, think about the worries that trouble you right now. What are we learning about those fears? Well, here's what we're learning. Number one, fears are normal. Fears are normal. This is the very first time Abraham speaks to God. The very first time. And what comes out of his mouth? Fear. Fear. Fears are normal. Number two, we learn this. Fears should be expressed. God does not get angry at Abraham. He doesn't rebuke him. How could you be so fearful after this great victory I gave to you? God does not do that. You know, oftentimes the key to healing with our fears is talking about them. We should never be afraid to share with God or others what it is that we are afraid of. And then here's the third thing we learn. Fears can be overcome. Fears can be overcome. But the way that they have to be overcome is by this next step that God says we have to take. You see, we need to look at our fears. What is it that I worry about? But then we learn, here's the second action. Learn about your father. Learn about your father. Verse 1 says this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Do you know that is the first time this expression occurs in our Bibles? In fact, it is only found twice in Genesis, and both are here in this chapter, verse 1 and verse 4. Isn't that interesting? The word of the Lord came to Abram. That's the first time we read this. It's the only time in this chapter that we see it twice. And it appears when Abraham is afraid. 
The word of the Lord in the Old Testament was an oracle of deliverance that was usually brought by a prophet. It was a sure word of promise that God would deliver his people when they were in trouble. So follow this. The key to overcoming fear is to focus upon what God says about himself. Isn't that beautiful? Always the key to overcoming our fears is to focus on what God says about himself. Now, I want us to see a very important principle here that is being worked out for us in these verses. Here's the principle. If you know God's attributes, you can trust God's actions. If you know God's attributes, you can trust God's actions. You see, in verses 1 and 2, we are given the attributes of God. And then in verses 3 through 5, we are told what God would do for Abraham. So the pattern is very, very clear. Learn, first of all, what God is like. Learn his attributes. And when you do, you will then be able to say, now, based on what I know about God, I can trust what he will do for me in my fears. So let's look at God's attributes first, all right? Notice the first one is God is personal. God is personal. In verse 2, Abraham uh, responds and he says, O Lord God. Now, fasten on the word Lord there because it is the Hebrew word Yahweh, which, as you know, is the personal name of the Lord. Now, God's personal name was only given to those in a covenant relationship with him, and shortly we're going to see where God enters into the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. A covenant relationship with God is the most personal relationship you can have with the Lord. Sometime go back to chapter 14 and you will notice that Melchizedek, this very important figure, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, does not call God Yahweh. He calls him God Most High. But Abraham responds to Melchizedek and he says, Yahweh, God Most High. Abraham could use the personal name of God because very shortly he was going to be in a covenant relationship with the Lord, the closest relationship you can have with God, which means for God this is a personal issue with him and you. Now, by the way, are we in a covenant relationship with God? Yeah, we are. This is personal, Yahweh. Notice the second thing. God is powerful. When he says Lord God, God is the title Adonai. And uh, that word is a title that means God is ruler, controller, he's in charge. So he is sovereign over events and he is sovereign over our lives. So here, Abraham is referring to the Lord and he says, Lord, you're personal. This is a personal issue between you and me and you are very powerful. You are Adonai. Now notice the third attribute. He is protector. Because the Lord said, I am your shield. I am your shield. 
That was a military shield that was made of wood and it was covered over with leather. Uh, the, the word here comes from a verb that means to cover over and thus to shield from danger. So he is protector. And then notice the final attribute of God. He is provider. The Lord said, your reward will be very great. Now, I love this. Because the reward here is a word that was used of soldiers' wages. Sometimes it referred to the loot that they would get after a victory in a military battle. What had Abraham given up? The loot from the battle. What was he worried about? Maybe I could use that gold, that silver, those flocks and herds. Maybe I shouldn't have given that up. What does the Lord say now? Abraham, I know what you gave up. You did it for me. Abraham, I'm your loot. I am your reward. Now, brothers and sisters, do you see what's going on here? God is personal, and he's powerful. And because we are in a covenant relationship with him, he then says, because I'm personal and powerful, I will protect you, and I will provide for you. Now, I want you to notice something. Based upon that, God was now saying to Abraham, you can trust my actions. And brothers and sisters, we can do the same. Look at God's actions in verses 3, 4, and 5. He is able to meet our needs. Abraham expresses the same fear in verse 3. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household, he's going to be my heir. And notice now what God says. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. The grammar here emphasizes a very strong contrast, and I want you to notice that God doesn't even use the name Eliezer. He's not even mentioned, and literally this is what God said, not this one. I'm not even going to mention him. He's not even a part of the picture, but Abraham, he from your own body. Not this one. But he, from your own body, God can meet the need. And then notice that God doesn't just meet the need. He meets the need abundantly. Abundantly. Verse 5, and he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Do you know with the naked eye on a clear night away from the city lights, you can see about 4,000 stars. But in the Middle East, where Abraham was, the stars are so numerous 
that it's almost as though they practically hang down from the sky. And where Abraham was standing, looking up at the Milky Way and uh, those 4,000 stars that he was able to see that were hanging down almost over his head, it was almost as though he could reach up and scrape the Milky Way. What's Abram saying here? What's God saying to him? Abram, don't look down at yourself. Look up at me in my abundance. Don't look down at yourself. Look up at me and my abundance. Do you see what's going on here? God allowed these fears so that Abraham might look up and learn. Why do you have fears in your life today? Why has God permitted certain fears? It's so that you might look up and learn. You have a God who says this is personal because you're my covenant child. I'm powerful, and I take personal responsibility to protect you and to provide for you. Your worries, your fears are in your life so that you might stop looking down at yourself and look up to your Father and learn. And when we do, we can take the third action that is the key to overcoming fear. It is live by your faith. Live by your faith. Look at verse 6. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, I want to say this morning, this is a strange place for this verse. Because this is an account of Abram's salvation. In fact, the form of the verb means Abram was a believer. We could read it this way, and he was a believer in the Lord. But we know that Abraham was saved three chapters earlier in chapter 12, so why is this here? Why is the account of his salvation and the fact that he's now a believer here? It's for this reason. When Abraham looked at his fears and listened to his father, then he could live by his faith. That's why it's here. When Abraham looked at his fears and listened to his father, then he could live by his faith. That's exactly what Abraham did. And it's the lesson for you. It's the lesson for me. Some time ago in USA Today newspaper, there was an article entitled, What Americans Are Afraid of Today. What Americans Are Afraid of Today. Let me read for you what Americans are afraid of, and I have no doubt that some of us would say, I have those fears in my life this very morning. Here they are. 54% are afraid of a car crash. 53% are afraid of cancer. 
50% of us are afraid we'll have inadequate social security. 49% are afraid we won't have enough money to retire on. 36% of us are afraid of getting food poisoning from meat. 35% of us are afraid of Alzheimer's. 34% pesticides in our foods. 33% of us, one-third, are afraid that we will be a victim of individual violence. 32% are afraid we won't be able to pay our current bills. 25% of us are afraid of natural disasters. And when Americans were asked this, this question, is the world a safer place than when you were a child? Nine out of ten of us said no. We are fearful of the kind of world our children will grow up in. Now, you know what's interesting here? Never again do we hear these unique fears from Abram. Never. Never again does he express these fears. Now, it's not because the fears weren't there, because they did continue. In fact, he won't have a son until another 15 years. The Lord said, you've waited 10 Wait till you've waited almost 25. But never again does Abram express these fears. And here's the reason. When you are a believer, you can live by faith in a father who has conquered your fears. Do you think I should say that again? When you are a believer, you can live by faith in a father who has conquered your fears. Is that not the secret weapon today? Can all of God's people here this morning with the fears you have right now say, Pastor, I'm a believer. It's my birthright to live by faith in a father who has conquered my fears. That's our secret weapon against fear. And we come to it over and over and over again. Let's bow together, shall we? And Thank the Lord. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, <clears throat> I know that you have fears. You have worries. I do. It's about our well-being our wealth, or being weak in the face of life's demands. And we can be honest about that. We can talk with God and others about it. It's normal 
what we can overcome when we look at who our Father is. He takes personal responsibility for those in a covenant relationship with him. He's powerful. And he can protect and provide. And he's able to meet the need, and even more than that, abundantly meet that need. And therefore he says, you're a believer. Walk by faith. And the Bible teaches us that when we will do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus so that we can face all that life throws at us with confidence, hope, boldness, and action. And so this morning, would you say, Lord, Thank you that what's true for Abraham is true for me. I'm very much like him. I need to look up and learn and then walk in faith based on what I know about you. Father, come now and as we sing together, about the wellness that you have brought into our souls. May the God of peace be with us for his name's sake. Amen.